Welcome to Continual Gift of Self, the podcast of talks, fervorinos, and homilies from Loper Catholic and the St. Teresa of Calcutta Newman Center. You can learn more about St. Teresa's and the Lord's work on the college campuses in Kearney, Nebraska, by connecting with us on our website, lopercatholic.org, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages with the handle at Loper Catholic. Now enjoy this installment of Continual Gift of Self, and please pray for us. God bless. Well, good morning to everyone. I, uh, it's good to be, to be back. Thanks for allowing me to, to be present with the vocation directors a couple weeks ago in New York. Um, I had uh, a big conference, all the vocation directors around the country, there are about 220 um, from around the country, the diocesan vocation directors, so priests in different dioceses gathered up and welcomed in the new guys, uh, get them trained. Vocation ministry is very different than and priestly ministry, being in a parish, um, being in a school, being on a college campus, it's just very different. And so having an opportunity to do that. So thank you for allowing me to do that. And sorry for my absence. Um, and then last week was Labor Day weekend. So most of you were gone as well. Uh, I was back last Sunday, but nonetheless, here we are. And I'm, for better or worse, I'm here the rest of the semester. So you're stuck with me um, the, rest of the, the rest of the semester. We celebrate today, brothers and sisters, 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. This is the time of discipleship. Ordinary Time is the time to grow, to understand the call of Jesus Christ to follow him, to know what that is, to unpack that, to fall in love with that, with that gift and that call that he's given to each and every one of us to, to follow after him. And we hear from him as we unpack discipleship that God has created you very good. You were created good. There's a goodness that's the baseline for all of us. We weren't created evil. We weren't created as a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. And we weren't created uh, fallen. We were were created good by God. And he has an incredible plan for us. And his incredible plan is fulfilled and carried out in his love for us. We see on the cross why we have a crucifix in our churches that we are reminded every time we walk in of God's incredible plan for us that passes through his own love, pierced open for us. But here's the kicker. Here's the tough part. So the next, this homily is going to be tough. Sin is part of our our existence now. Sin and death has entered the world. It's entered into this beautiful creation. And it has taken what God created good and corrupted it and made it less than. It misdirected and misguided the beautiful gift that he's given all of us. His image and likeness. In God's image and likeness, we have an intellect, a mind. That we can think. We can understand things. We can understand concepts. There may be days where you don't, especially in math class. We can understand difficult topics, concepts. We can break things apart and come to understand them. Even to the depths of the universe, breaking open an atom and understanding how all, everything that's inside an atom works. We can understand it on a bigger scale to look and see how the planets move within a universe and how the universes move amongst each other. Our intellect has great power. But sin has misdirected it, misguided it, confused it, 
We have a great willpower, you and I. It's a gift from God. It's part of what he created in us. The will to live. The will is what keeps us from stepping in front of a bus when it's coming by. We don't have a lot of buses here, but or a car or whatever. Our will is our will to, to live. Our will power is what drew you here to college. You have a desire to grow in a career. To have some kind of a life that you in this world that you make to be a teacher, a doctor, a nurse. To work in politics, whatever it is, we have a will. That's the, our drive. That too has been corrupted by sin, distracted from its own purpose and goal. Sin entered the world, and not by our choice. Sin and death is something that you and I inherit. There's many things that our our parents give to us, good and bad. Our parents give to us a little bit of our personality. You look look into your eyes and kind of see how you act, you can see your parents a little bit, a little bit of both of them. You'll know that more and more, but when you look at a child and see the child grow, you can see a little bit of dad and a little bit of mom. child's its own person, but you can see a little bit of that. So our personality. You can see our own intelligence and our own drive, what we're thirsty for. Maybe if you're pursuing teaching, your parents were teachers. One of them or both. If you're pursuing nursing or being a doctor, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Maybe that's what your parents did. So you see a little bit in that. We also inherit some, some other things from our parents, our hairline, you know, things that, that, that you know, we didn't do on our own will. The things that we just receive from them, our health, maybe even our propensity for certain sins. We inherit things from our parents. The ultimate thing that you and I have inherited in this life is original sin. Adam and Eve, our first parents. Original sin isn't an actual sin. You and I didn't actually commit original sin. It's something that we inherited. When we were born, we were conceived in our mother's womb. We were born. We were born with this sin on our soul. And we needed, bless your redemption. From God, And so our parents took us to the baptismal font. <laughs> and the rain comes. <laughs> our parents took us to the baptismal font. We entered into the water and we died and rose with Jesus Christ. That original sin was washed from us. And we were cleansed and that sin washed away. But here's the problem. Kind of like if you ever worked in a, in a clean lab, if you've ever done science or in, in a really high-scale way, you have this room that's clean, and you have to put on all this stuff. And the doors, wow. <laughs> and the doors, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't that profound of a point, I don't think. <laughs> and, <coughs> 
And you have to keep the, the doors from keeping you know, dust and particles out because you've got to do this experiment. But once something comes in, say a bird flies in or something, then that clean room is now tarnished. It's tainted. It's never going to be as clean as it was when it was first created. The same thing happens where the original sin's washed off of us, but our own tendency to sin remains. We call that conscupiscence. It's just a tendency to sin, and there's three of them. The eyes, the flesh, and the pride of life. Our flesh, we're tempted in. All the pleasures of the flesh, pleasures of the eye and the mind, see something and we start thinking about it, desiring it, and then the pride of life, that I want to be greater than I, than I am, that God called me, well, he called me to be great, but greater than my station in life, and I don't accept where I'm at in, in a negative way. This conscupiscence kind of taints and draws, think of walking through a cloud, it makes life harder. And we all suffer from that. We see this sin, this actual sin, all these temptations, conscupiscence, the things we fall to, they affect us personally. They can change our own disposition. And sin is anything that's offense against the moral law, offense against God, anything that breaks relationship with another person. It's ultimately driven by our own selfishness, our own fears and anxieties that come. So you're not good enough. You'll never be enough. Those lies that are whispered to us. You'll never be fulfilled and satisfied. God doesn't care about you. You'll be left empty and alone. Those lies that are whispered right into that conscupiscence and then we, we take we try to fulfill that so it hurts us personally and our sin continues to beat us down we feel less than we feel tainted we feel not good enough I feel like if we walk through the chapel door we'll start on fire or something which isn't true But it starts to affect others. Sin is communal. It's social. It starts to affect people around us. Even the littlest thing done in our own bedroom, in the dark, it's our little secret. No, it's not. It's, it's, even if no one knows the particularities, it affects everyone. It affects everyone. Maybe not in a direct way, but in a material way. So we all share in this life. So if I go over and turn the heat up in here, because I'm cold, it's going to affect all of you. It's the same with our own personal sin. <clears throat> it affects the world around us. So the question of evil is ever before our eyes. that collective sin springing from the sin we inherited and our own actual sin. Evils that we confront every day, war and violence, 
nation against nation, brother against brother, sister against sister. We fight each other. It's what causes us to argue in class in, in a non-constructive way. I don't know if any of you have been in an argument in class yet, but if you haven't, it's coming. And sometimes it's constructive, sometimes it's good and reasoned and logical, and that's, that's, that's a good argument because we're seeking truth. But then there's the other stuff. The fighting. My idea is better than yours. I know more. Something that sin corrupts in our mind is to think that we're the, the top dog. Their ideas are the best. There's always a bigger fish. There's always somebody that's smarter, somebody that's more well put together, somebody that's faster. It's just the way it is. Sin causes jealousy in us, disconnect. The sins against the Ten Commandments are the most serious that we experience, that we commit. And these things, again, they weigh us down in this life. They separate and break communion. They cause division. The Lord wasn't satisfied with those sins. He wasn't satisfied to leave us in sin. So he came and died for us. And that's part of his plan. That he died for us and spilt his blood so that we do have, an, we do have a way out of sin. Our own personal sin. You don't have to sit in misery. Sacrament of reconciliation is a way for you to reconcile yourself to God. It's not to come in and, and be given a guilt trip because you failed and fell down and, and fell into these temptations that are around us all the time. Sins of the flesh, sins of the mind, and sins of pride. They can be forgiven and washed away. The sacrament of reconciliation. We're also reconciled to the church and to one another. There's this beautiful um, development in the sacrament. In the early church, they debated about how are we reconciled to God? How did his blood reconcile us to one another? How did it reconcile us completely, forgive our sins? Baptism does it for sure. Can someone after baptism be forgiven? There's a question in the early church. And the church turned to this passage that we heard from, this gospel. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus Christ gave his keys of forgiveness to Holy Mother Church, to the apostles. That we can be forgiven after our baptism. We don't re-baptize. The sins, our own personal sins, are forgiven in the sacrament. 
bless you. Our own personal sins are forgiven. In the early church, we would move into before Mass a period of confessing our sins. People would confess their sins publicly. They would stand up and say, I did this to my brother. I did this in my own home. And they would confess their sins. There would be absolution from the church of forgiveness of those sins and they would enter into Holy Communion, Mass. But over time, and thanks to the Irish church, that practice, that sacrament became more of the individual nature than what it is today, where we come in and go inside this box over here and confess our sins privately and are given absolution for our sins and then so reconciled to our brothers and sisters sitting out here. Thank God, right? <laughs> that sacrament, freeing us of our sins, reconciling us to each other, reconciling us back to the, to the world, it's the act of God working in our own life. But today... The invitation comes from the very first part of our gospel today. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've won over. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. The heart of that sentence, bless you, is that we have to acknowledge our own sinfulness. We have to acknowledge the fact that I contribute in thought, word, and deed to the difficulties around me. Sure, people sin against me, but I also contribute. I commit sin in my life. I turn to lesser things, to lesser goods than over God. I hurt people by my own actions, by my own selfishness by things that I say, by things that I do. We have to acknowledge that and do a real examine of ourself. And once we do that, and we're willing to admit those things to God, we can be forgiven. But we have to take that difficult step first and look deep within ourselves. Let's pray for the desire to look deep in our own hearts. Let's pray for the desire to open up in humility to God and to one another, to admit our faults, to ask for forgiveness so that we can truly be loved by God and our neighbor.